At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. This is the Los Angeles CityCast with Danielle Alvari, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I'm Danielle Avari, and today is the first day of the WNBA season, so you know we're going to talk about it. But we have lots of other things going on that are specific to LA. So in today's show, part one, we're going to talk about the MLB. Adam Burke from VEASAN is here. He did tell me after we recorded that he won't be able to come next week. So enjoy this time with Adam Burke that we got to talk about both the Dodgers and the Angels. Now, will the Dodgers be in action Friday or even Saturday versus the Cubs? That is in question. Not even seeing odds up for this game because there is some weather concerns. That said, they should be available through Sunday, so perhaps we see a doubleheader on Sunday, but we'll talk about it regardless. And then the Angels in the National Series supposed to start Friday as well, uh, but no odds up on the board as of the time of recording. But we will talk about both those with Adam Burke. Happy to have him on here. And then we will get into the WNBA action that I have been dying to get into. It is tough because this season is so short, 30 or so games and uh, limited data, and you don't get to watch the preseason games, and they make all these cuts to the teams up until the last minute, and I don't care because it's going to be so fun, and uh, we're going to see how the first day goes. And finally, we'll wrap up, of course, with that Kings action going on on Friday as well, Kings and Oilers. And we'll have Andy McNeil here. You can find him on Twitter at Digital Gambler, resident VEASAN hockey expert analyst to talk all about the Kings and the Oilers. And no, I don't want to talk about it because we all know how my game two bets went. And if you didn't check Twitter, 
That said, first things first, we always check out the Los Angeles lines available at Bat River Sportsbook. So let's start with the MLB. The Dodgers minus 250 to win the NL West, plus 225 to win the NL, and of course, meaning the National League there, and plus 475 to win the World Series. Again, no lines up for this Dodgers-Cubs game. Could very strongly see this uh, pushed because we are expecting some pretty bad weather. It looks like temperatures in the upper 40s, winds, rain, basically all day Friday and Saturday. So could see a postponement there, but we'll see. Uh, and then the Angels right now to win the AL West, plus 260. So in the American League, 11 to 1. These odds are just precipitously dropping each week. And 25 to 1 to win the World Series. They were 33 to 1 just last week, I believe. So some movement with the Angels' success and progress, even though the last couple games have been a little bit of a stumble for them. I think that's more of a reflection of their time spent on the road, but they are finally getting back home Friday, 6.40 p.m. Pacific time with the Nationals. And then, like I said, NHL action. It's going to be the Kings and the Oilers on Friday night in Game 3. And the Oilers, minus 1.5 on the puck line, obviously, at plus 165. Kings getting plus 1.5 on the puck line is minus 200. But we like to look at the money lines most likely in hockey. The Oilers minus 143 and the Kings plus 123. We'll get Andy's thoughts on that if that plus 123 is worth a look. You might be thinking, mm, not the way that the Kings played the other night. And I wouldn't blame you. Total for this one sitting at 6.5 and, and the under at minus 125. We'll get into all the WNBA odds as well, like I said in that second segment. But uh, for now, you can find all these odds and so much more on Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Also, don't forget if you are into UFC, UFC 274 is on Saturday and BetRivers has a special profit boost for the big event. All players that log in on Saturday will receive a 20% profit boost on a UFC 274 parlay. Make your ideal UFC 274 combo on the main events, undercard, or a combo of both. Terms and conditions do apply. See the site for details. This profit boost packs an extra punch at BetRivers. Bet on the app or at BetRivers.com. Let's welcome in Adam Burke from VEASAN. Adam, thanks so much for joining us again. All right, so these uh, Dodgers and the Cubs game that we are going to talk about, I have to start by saying could be rescheduled. Weather, have you seen this? I, I'm not surprised. The weather in the Midwest yeah. has been a lot of rain. Of course, wind is always a factor at Wrigley Field. But, yeah, there's been a lot of rain throughout the Midwest. And uh, being a Midwestern kid, I, I don't miss it. Every day here is sunny and 75-plus. Yeah, Adam in Vegas, of course. Me here in Los Angeles, we're doing well without the cold weather. But Wrigley shows temps in the upper 40s, biting winds, rain basically all day, Friday and Saturday. So we are going to talk about these games, but keep in mind that we don't we don't know. They might get postponed. Uh, and it's not crazy to imagine that because they are scheduled to play on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball this week. So LA will be in town at least through Sunday. Uh, so they could possibly do a split doubleheader on Sunday, something like that. That said, the Cubs are right now 9-14. and 14, The Dodgers are 16-7. and seven, And this will be the first of this three-game series, obviously. I'm seeing Justin Steele as the starter on the mound for the Cubs. And Tyler Anderson for the Dodgers. What have your thought about Tyler Anderson? Because I thought he's looked really well so far in his three starts. Yeah, you know, Tyler Anderson's a guy that I like. You know, I was really hoping he'd get out of Colorado. Unfortunately, he went to Pittsburgh, where, you know, Pittsburgh has not done well in terms of their player development. So they didn't really maximize his skill set either. But if you look at the raw data for him, his spin rates and stuff like that, they're actually quite good. He's just a guy that needed to find a landing spot like with the Dodgers, a, an organization that really elevates a lot of their personnel. It's not an accident that all these guys they bring in wind up pitching really, really well. And it's not really a surprise that Tyler Anderson is sort of following that mold. And, 
you know, facing the Cubs, I think this is a really interesting start for him if this game takes place, as you mentioned, because the Cubs do project to be much better against lefties than against righties, but also mm. this Cubs offense has significantly struggled. They started out much better than they're playing right now, much to my chagrin, holding a season win total over ticket on them. Uh, but, you know, they do project to hit lefties well. So I'll be curious to see what happens with the line for that game if it looks like it's going to be played. It seems like both Chicago teams have kind of struggled out of the gate. What's been the issue more so for the Cubs? Well, for the Cubs, I mean, offensively, they've been okay. You know, their batting average on balls in play was really, really high. That's kind of come back to the pack a little bit, specifically with runners in scoring position, which is, you know, really when you need to get your hits. But it's been the Cubs pitching staff that hasn't been any good. Kyle Hendricks is still kind of all over the place. Justin Steele started out well. He's had a couple of rough outings here of late. Marcus Stroman has not really been himself yet. Uh, you know, their bullpen has really not been all that reliable. It's been a lot of issues with the pitching staff for the Cubs here so far. And, you know, there's only so much that that retooled offense can do to kind of overcome that. And early on in the year, they did. And here recently, they haven't really been able to. So if pitching is the issue, that's interesting because I wanted to ask you about, we've obviously seen a dip in offense in the MLB across the board. Can we talk about some of the reasons that that is? And then also, I think the Dodgers, I mean, they're a loaded team offensively, but it seems like they've leaned a little bit more on their pitching lately. So if they're going up against a Cubs team that's kind of struggling with pitching, maybe this is also one of the games where they can start to kind of break through. Not that they've been hitting poor, horribly, but... It does seem like the Dodgers, like a lot of teams in the MLB, have been struggling on the offensive side a little bit more. What are kind of the reasons behind that? Yeah, you know, I think it's really interesting because on Wednesday, we had 17 games. There were a couple of doubleheaders. Eight games got to double-digit runs, and three more got to nine runs. So I don't know if maybe this is a sign that offense is slowly but surely coming around. But mm -hmm. the humidor in all 30 parks has been a significant issue. It's been a really big mm -hmm. issue in the Midwest and on the East Coast, where the weather is just not warm enough. It's not conducive for a baseball stored in a humidor. The ball is not carrying as far. In fact, you know, I had somebody on Twitter reach out to me last night during the Dodgers game saying that they had they were doing an interview during the game with Clayton Kershaw. And Kershaw's like, guys are hitting the ball hard. It's just not going anywhere. That's exactly mm -hmm. what the data's been showing. Exit velocity is the highest it's been in the StatCast era, which date ba dates back to 2015. But the average fly ball distance is the lowest it has been in that sample size. So... The ball's just not carrying. There's increased drag on the ball. It probably has to do with the physical characteristics brought about as a result of the humidor. And as the weather warms up, it should kind of normalize a little bit. But I don't know. That's just kind of a speculation on my part and speculation on a lot of people's parts. So it's really been you know, largely about that, about the humidor and just the, the new way that they're storing baseballs in all 30 parks. Yeah, well, we're definitely seeing the effects of that. But like I said, the Dodgers, they have the batters there. So I'm sure that we'll start to see that as the season progresses. And I mean, even Mookie Betts in that Giants game you're talking about went two for three, had the home run, two RBIs, helped get that nine to one win. Um, the Giants were largely depleted in this game as well, though. Just real quick before we continue on with the Cubs here. Uh, what did you think of this first glimpse at the Giants versus the Dodgers. I feel like we didn't get a true look at it because the Giants were missing so many people. Yeah, the Giants had some COVID issues. They've had some injury issues early on as well. And, and to this point, I mean, the Dodgers have largely been healthy. They really haven't had to deal with too much adversity at all whatsoever. You know, look, Carlos Rodon's a tough customer. That was a pitcher's duel in the first game. They kind of got to Alex Wood a little bit in that second game. But the one thing I will say about the Dodgers here really quickly is just that mm -hmm. you know they're allowing 2.5 runs per game. I mean, their pitching, to your point, has been outstanding. You know, the offense, 
maybe could be a little bit better. Obviously, offense is down league wide, but this pitching yeah. staff has been really, really good. And the thing of it is, unlike the Angels, who we're going to talk about here in a second, I don't mm-hmm. see anything statistically for the Dodgers that suggests that this is a mirage or that this is something that can't continue for them. When you look at their strikeout to walk ratio, when you look at their you know contact management numbers, all of that, everything looks really legit. I mean, this team is as loaded as it gets. The biggest question mark I have for them, and I know we talked about this on last week's spot, is will they be emotionally invested and engaged when they're not Every playing game. better teams? You know, now they play mm-hmm. Chicago and Pittsburgh on the road. You mentioned if they get these games in this weekend, the weather will not be good. Who knows what it'll be like in Pittsburgh? Probably be a little bit cooler than they're accustomed to and all of that. Are they going to be engaged when they play these bad teams? We know that they'll get up for the Giants. We know that they'll get up for the Padres and the Braves and some of those other good teams from the National League, the Mets. But will they show up when they play these bottom feeders? I think the only team that can really beat the Dodgers is, is frankly, themselves. Yeah, that's interesting because I even saw that some of the rankings have come out and the Yankees are passing the Dodgers a little bit right now uh, in those rankings. But I agree with you. I think the Dodgers are impeccable and they're pitching lately, to your point. The pitchers in the last 10 games, 2.15 ERA. And also no hate on their hitting either. They're slugging 358 with 25 extra base hits over their last 10 games. So this Dodgers team is is ripe. And to your point also, are they going to care every single one of these games that aren't as important of opponents is what makes it so difficult to bet on them because they can accidentally win they're that good and so you almost can't bet against them in those games either let's talk about the angels because they've been struggling with their strategy that they started the season with which seemed to be we're going to just outscore our opponents and they haven't been hitting as well do you think that you chalk that up a little bit to fatigue it seems like they played a lot of games in a row where are you at with the angels well look i also think part of it is you know they're out there on the road right now they're playing in parks mm-hmm. where the ball's not carrying as well as i mentioned it feels like the humidor is really having significant impacts in the midwest and on the east coast and you know here they are on the east coast playing boston and as we're recording this you know it's a nothing nothing game in the sixth inning now they did right. score 10 runs on uh, on wednesday night much to my chagrin having the under but you know, that well. was that was kind of an outlier for them in terms of their recent performances but Look, this is still a top five offense in baseball by weighted on base average, weighted runs created plus, barrel rate, all of that. There's still a lot to really like about this offense where Trout's swinging it well, Rendon's coming around, you've got you know Taylor Ward breaking out, you've got Jared Walsh swinging it well, Brandon Marsh has been really, really good for them. To me, it's just one of those things where they're, they're finally living up to their potential. They finally you know have the guys around Mike Trout to help him take this team to the playoffs. And I think that they probably, you know, with this start, they look like they should get there. But I, I do have some concerns, and they're not on the offensive side. They're on the pitching side. Yeah, I completely I completely agree with you. And I even think that the defense has been a little bit wonky for the Angels as well, which I know is not always their area of strength. But they are in action hosting the Nationals on Friday, 6.38 p.m. Pacific time for that one. Uh, and they are going to be back at home. So we're seeing Jonah Doan on the mound here and then undecided for L.A. What are your thoughts on this matchup on Friday? So Adon is a guy who gives up a lot of hard contact. He's a young kid. He's trying to find, excuse me, trying to find his way pitching through the major league level. And uh, it's, it's been a struggle for him so far. So the only thing I would worry about with the angels tomorrow is coming back off that road trip, coming back from the East coast, having to play this game at home, you know, just sort of wondering much like what we talked about with the Dodgers, you know, will they be invested? Will they be engaged in that game? Otherwise, you know, looking at the rest of the weekend, 
I think Josiah Gray is a really good pitcher for the Nationals. He's about the only guy that the market is willing to bet on on the Washington side. He'll go up against Michael Lorenzen on Saturday. Lorenzen's mm. a guy some people are looking at as a regression candidate, so we may see the Nationals take a bit of money in that game on Saturday. But on Sunday, I love Patrick Sandoval. Sandoval is one of my favorite pitchers in the league. I've been waiting for spots to back him. I don't know what the price point will be in this one, but there is a possibility I play a Washington team total under, something like that. Uh, they've been much better against righties than lefties. Sandoval is a lefty, a strikeout guy at that, high ground ball rate as well. Sandoval is a guy that I really, really like. But just as a general point here, the Angels have the ninth lowest strikeout percentage as a pitching staff. And as you said, their defense has kind of been a little bit erratic. It's better with Joe Adele back in the minor leagues now. But that was one thing that GM Perry Manasian talked about prior to last season was we need to field. You know, we need to worry about the fundamentals of the game. We need to convert batted balls into outs. They've been better at doing that this year. But when you look at their low strikeout rate and you also look at their relievers and some of their metrics with a 369 ERA, a 446 FIP, a 229 batting average against on balls in play, that's a regression candidate group for me. So I'm a little bit worried about that Angels bullpen here because I think they've been fortunate so far with getting batted balls converted into outs. I agree. And we saw Noah Syndergaard just the other day getting a little bit screwed over by his defense in some ways. I thought he actually pitched pretty decently and it seemed like the Angels defense gave him a hard time. So uh, possible regression here for the Angels coming. So something to keep an eye on for sure, but at least they're back at home. Uh, thank you so much to Adam Burke. He has some golf to get to. So we appreciate him jumping on with us today. All right, coming up, WNBA regular season begins Friday night. Four games. I'm so excited. We'll look at them all. This is the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Baseball is here, and Bet Rivers has a special offer for you every Saturday throughout the season. Place a three leg same game parlay of at least $25, and you will earn a $10 free bet. With same game parlays, you can combine player props and game bets to make your perfect combo. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Claim your offer on the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com. Welcome back into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Let's get into the WNBA. God, it feels good to say that. Four games going on on day one. The first one starts at 4 p.m. Pacific time. That is the Fever at the Mystics. Yes, the Indiana Fever, the 12th place team last year, the team that had four picks in the top 10 of the draft this year. That is what they were working with. They are a young, young team, and they'll be facing off against this Mystics team that missed playoffs last year and were obviously not too happy about it, just missed it by a sliver to the New York Liberty. And the Mystics have been missing some key players due to injury. They're finally getting back, and now this is a veteran team that we're talking about being able to make at least a run in playoffs for sure, and some are even considering them for the title. So we have the former 12th place team with lots of new young talent versus a more veteran team. Who do you think I like here? I want to back the Fever. I do. The Fever are getting six and a half here. This actually opened at seven, so I'm sure some action came in on Fever plus seven. And I don't blame you because what I remember of this Fever team last year, which to be fair, a lot, a lot of turnover, coaching turnover, program really making a lot of shifts, and then obviously a ton of new talent in flux as well. So a completely different team in a lot of ways. Regardless, what I remember about this Fever team last season is that they were so scrappy and they were such a pain in the butt to bet against them and the Atlanta Dream, who were the bottom two teams last year, were so frustrating because the Dream was really, really solid in the paint. They could get those buckets going. So against teams 
that struggled to defend that. They were actually able to hang in there. Those games would get run up on the scores. The Fever, in a similar but opposite way, were able to push the pace of a lot of games. And even though they weren't particularly good at anything, if the shots were falling for them on that night, they were able to keep games close. And they were like, I always, and this sounds like a terrible comparison, but they were like that rabid chihuahua, you know, that just wouldn't go away. And it was frustrating because you're like, oh, you guys are supposed to be the 12th place team, but they fought every single game and respect to the Fever for that. And so for that reason, even though this is a very different team, I can't bet against them. I went back and forth on this. And at first I like to look at lines, obviously, and do I like it? What do I like first? I ran through them and just took wrote down my initial gut reactions. I like under, I like over, I like this, I like that. And then I like to further my research, of course, and then even consult with others who like to bet this and that I, whose opinions I respect. And I did consult with, with a ski profits, maybe, you know, from Twitter. And he mentioned that there's no way the fever is getting his money. <laughs> and it's unfortunate. And I understand it. I do. But that said, uh, I really wanted to bet the fever here plus six and a half, but missing that seven, I think I'm going to hold off. And especially because my, logical side is saying to not bet against a more veteran team that has a chance at a title run even though this fever team six and a half very doable for them to stay within that and i believe the last time these two teams played last june that they did stay just about six or seven points within so it seems just about right on there i am not saying i won't bet this live i would love to get in on the fever live get like double digit points with them or maybe the fever come out and are fiery and then I can go in live on the mystic. So that's my play here is maybe going in live because I want, I just have too much respect for what this fever team did last year, even in last place total for this one, 161 and a half. Uh, and like I said, just a little bit of line movement from seven to six and a half preseason. Good thing. We can't watch these games. That would have been helpful. Uh, you can't watch these games. So it's very unfortunate, but the fever beat the Chicago sky, the defending champs, 79 to 75 in preseason. Keep in mind, they are missing some players either overseas, finishing up playing elsewhere or to injury or, or a myriad of other things, but 79 to 75 fever beat the sky. Then they go on to lose to the Dallas Wings, who just missed playoffs last year. Fun young team. 100 to 89. That sounds exactly like a Dallas Wings game. I love betting overs on the Dallas Wings game. They are gunslingers. They run up and down the court. I know that's a football term, but I'm going to say it because they're just always shooting is what I'm going for there. Um, so they go and they lose to the Wings on Monday, which is no surprise. I don't think that that's a reflection on the Fever doing poorly. They put up 89 points in that game. I think that's a reflection on neither team playing defense very well and the Wings loving to shoot the three ball. So there you have it. I'm going to call the Fever the baby Fever. Do you get it? It's kind of, I didn't even realize in this wrote it. I wrote it because this is a young, young team, right? And I talked about the four uh, first round picks they got this season. They're just far less experienced. They have the most rookies, seven rookies, I believe. Most of them coming from all these premier college programs, obviously. Number two pick, Nalissa Smith, who's looked great in preseason, I heard, because I'm looking at box scores. Uh, and then, of course, there's Baylor standout in number 10 pick, Queen Egbo, 6'4 center. She is going to be instrumental in this game versus the Mystics. Destiny Henderson, maybe you heard this game during the NCAA championship because she is just a few weeks away from winning a national title at South Carolina most recently, was selected 20th overall. Shortest player on the team at 5'7", which makes me my heart hurt because it means I could have played, guys. I could have played. I'm just I'm barely almost 5'8". And mm, that said, 
I didn't go down that path. Uh, and they also had number six pick Lexi Hole from Stanford, Spokane kid. Such a, such a smart, smart kid who just did really, it's weird for me to say kid, guys. I think I've gotten to an age now where I call players that are younger than me kids. So pray for me. Lexi Hole, incredible athlete, incredible academic student, obviously coming from Stanford, but has had kind of a rough look in these preseason games, shot 0 for 6 and 1 of 3 at the free throw line. So I think the adjustment to the WNBA will be interesting for her, but she's just such a pure looking shooter. So I hope she can figure that out. Um, we have three more games to get to, and I'm spending so much time on this one that I'm not even going to bet on until it's live. But if you absolutely want action... I can't tell you to lay the points of the Mystics. They absolutely should do it. Here's why. Elena Deladon, she's back. And most recently, the Mystics in preseason beat the Lynx 78-66 to over the weekend. And in that uh, game, Elena Deladon, who's not been back since 2019, the year that they won that championship, she's had back injuries. She's been trying to work her way back from that. And then I think, believe she was also had Lyme disease. There was issues with COVID. Um... She's back versus the Lynx in the preseason game. 21 points in under 18 minutes on the floor. She is feeling good. 9 of 13 from the field. And then Natasha Cloud and Ariel Atkins also followed her with 18 and 10 points. This is the seasoned team. These are the ladies that have been around the block. And they're also, and you could say this about a lot of different teams, unfortunately. And fortunately for us as the audience in the WNBA this season. But... The Mystics are not happy that they missed playoffs last year. I believe it was Natasha Cloud in an interview who talked about uh, how much that was not acceptable for this program. It could have actually been Alicia Clark. But Alicia Clark, by the way, is out for this game uh, with her right foot injury. I don't think, I mean, you'd love to have her in, of course, and that's going to be an exciting person to have back in. That was the other person besides Elena Del Don, um, excuse me, Elena Deladon, that this team needed back. She's an all defensive selection and huge for this team but for that reason I even lean a little bit over here but I hate betting over so it's not it's not going to be me but 161 and a half being the total for this like I said might mess around get in live but it's a no play because I want to back the fever here I if, if I had gotten the seven I might have taken the seven to be honest with you so some smart people obviously did I think uh can't bet against this veteran mystics team can't do it but I don't want to lay six and a half with them even though this was the last place team last year. I know how insane it sounds. Let's move on. Three more games. Sparks Sky. So Sparks plus four is what I like here. Uh, this opened at five. So the market liked it too. Moved it to four. And the number on the total, 155 and a half. No movement. This again, 5 p.m. Pacific time start. So initially... I looked at this game and I hadn't looked at injury reports, who's in, who's out, and just looked at this and what did I thought about the teams? And I said, oh, Sky minus four, because you may have heard the narrative. And if you listen to the podcast the other day, the Los Angeles City cast, where I talked with Brendan Glasheen, previewed the season, that no WME team has won back-to-back -back national titles since the Los Angeles Sparks in the early 2000s. So we're talking 20 years here. It's just not done. It's usually even alternated every other year. That said, I don't think that means a team can't do it the sky only got richer this season and the thing is that last season i had a future on them we talked i talked with jvt our nba senior analyst about this mid-season around the break on his podcast hand what 
excuse me, on his podcast, Hardwood Handicappers. And he asked me why I was on the sky. He kind of liked the links based on the numbers he had seen. And admittedly, he was watching more NBA and I was watching more WNBA. And I just said, you know, the sky just got Candace Parker back. I think this is going to be a huge change for them. And lo and behold, it was. They kind of flew under the radar in a lot of ways, but it's kind of hilarious to me that they did with Courtney Vandersloot, Allie Quigley. And then, yes, Candace Parker, like, was she coming back? Was she not? They just did enough to get into playoffs, and then they did their thing. And having that veteran experience of playoff experience, championship experience in that team, I think really worked to their favor. And also, of course, uh, the Mercury dealing with a slew of kind of injuries. And uh, even the Seattle Storm, Brianna Stewart, missing a game that was crucial and ended up being the game that kicked them out of playoffs. So a lot of things broke their way. That said... I still think this Sky team is incredibly talented. So when I first looked at this, I thought Sky minus four, sure. And the Sparks were so wishy-washy last year. They love to push the pace. They're one of the three teams that love to shoot the three ball too for me last year. That was uh, the Liberty. We're at a high percentage of doing that. It wasn't always super successful and accurate, but they threw a lot of them up and eventually they'll go in. Dallas Wings had the same strategy. Those are two of the lower teams, but they're the younger team. So it's exciting to see that three-point coming in, being more involved. But in this league, you just... I don't think you can win these games without a very solid big in that in the paint that just presence. And the Sparks did a lot of work in the offseason here. They now have Liz Cambage, Jordan Canada, who's of UCLA, LA kid, formerly of the Seattle Storm, has been playing behind Sue Bird, now down to the Sparks. And they also added Katie Luce Samuelson, so some shooting as well. She is out. Uh, on Friday, so keep that in mind. But Liz Cambage, Jordan Canada, Oguamike sisters. So when I look at this game and I actually dove in a deeper, okay, it's Candace Parker and Courtney Vandersloot versus all of these sparks because no Allie Quigley in this game and no Kalea Copper. Hi, the finals MVP, Kalea Copper. So uh, it's, it's hard for me to bet against this guy team because I actually think they're so excellent, but I think the sparks have done a lot of good things to right their ship from last year. Just about every team of these 12 teams took steps forward in the offseason, which is really exciting because you want to see the talent get better. And it's also brutal because there's no developmental league. So they're making all these cuts to players that could potentially be really good, but hopefully they have opportunities to develop their game in other ways, maybe overseas or elsewhere. And hopefully that G league, whatever situation that needs to be, will get figured out. That said, the Sparks also missed playoffs last year for the first time since 2011. So if you think they aren't chomping at the bit to take down the defending champs, I know that is not the most a numerical reason to bet on a team, but it is a motivation reason. I don't actually believe that the Sparks want it as bad as the Mystics. I think the Mystics are more upset about it. And the Mystics coach does not miss playoffs. Like that is just not done. So that's the other advantage that the Mystics have, by the way. The Sparks are, are wanting this bad. It is Candace Parker playing her old team, and she doesn't have all her help. Sparks won the last four meetings against the Sky, and they want to show Candace that they can win without her if they haven't already done that. I'm interested to see how this one goes down, but I'm going to take the points with the Sparks and hope that they can hang in here with the Sky. Again, the Sky didn't need to win a ton of games last season, got into playoffs, and did their work there. So perhaps we see something like that again. Total for this one, 155 and a half. Links in the Storm, 7 p.m. Pacific. There's two 7 p.m. games, so you're going to have to decide which one you want to watch because I know that's what we're trying to do here, right? You're probably going to want to watch Aces Mercury, which is the game we'll talk about next. But real quick on the Links and Storm, 
I like Lynx plus six and a half here. Um, because it's such a big number, but it is so, so tough for me. Um, I'm going to go with the Storm, and here's why. Uh, these, by the way, great programs. The Storm and Lynx are both four-time league champions. Seattle won in 2020 and 2018, and both uh, more recently coming, obviously, than Minnesota, who had their trophy last in 2017. Uh, the Lynx, though, started the season really well last season and then drifted off into the background for me for a lot of reasons. But they had the third best record, 22-10, and 10, in the WNBA last season after starting with four consecutive losses, two of them to the Storm. I think we might see another loss start here. Angel McCautry is out for the Lynx and also Kayla McBride. And Nafisa Collier is out having her baby for a while. Also, guys, I'm not expert at these names yet, and I know that that's something I should have focused on here, but instead I focus more on the handicapping. But we're going to get into the names and make sure I'm saying everybody right moving forward. So apologies if I've messed any of these up. Um, but yes, Collier out for pregnancy reasons, which is so fun to see too on women's sports reports instead of the men's. It's always like, hmm, doesn't feel like playing. Women are like literally growing a human. Okay. That's a good reason. We'll see her later. Uh, Minnesota's going to have to rely on their 6'6 center, Sylvia Fowles, who has said that she is doing her, her farewell lap, which is so sad. She's only 36. She's a two-time league champ, two-time WNBA Finals MVP, and has cheekbones that could slice your bread for you. Insane. Uh, she also won her fourth Defensive Player of the Year award. Fourth last season, and she's retiring after this season. Uh not to mention, she made 64% of her shots last season. She's incredible. So if there's somebody who has to carry an entire team, it could be Sylvia Fowles. But I think because they're missing a couple of these key players and the Storm have Brianna Stewart back and Sue Bird, um, they've lost some players too, but I think that the Storm are just going to overpower them. I'm under the assumption, as I'm sure many people are, that Brianna Stewart, whatever team she's on, can win any given game uh, and by 10 is what I saw last season. There were games that the Storm lost without her. Very few that I saw them lose with her in. And if she was in, it was they were winning by 10. That's just what I remember. Total for this one, 165 and a half. I like this under. I think the Storm are going to play pretty de decent defense. And I wonder if the Lynx are going to have trouble scoring. Sylvia's probably not, because you know Sylvia. I'm going to go under on this. And I like the Storm. I'm going to lay the points at the Storm, which is so... It's just so basic, but I'm going to do it. Uh, finally, let's get to the Aces and Mercury. Aces minus three and a half is the number, and I want it. I opened it two. Oh, it hurts. It hurts because it opened it two, and it's now three and a half. It almost makes me want to wait till in game. So not a bad idea if that's something you're more comfortable with. I think I'm going to go ahead and lay this with the Aces. I'm going to get all these bets in pregame, except for, of course, that fever game at the top. But... Aces minus three and a half move from two. I can't believe they opened this at two. I mean, I get it because seven months ago, Aces and Mercury were in their five-game semifinal series, which that's that's the max they go to. Uh, so that fifth final game. And the Mercury drained some free throws and get that 87 to 74 win. So yeah, Asia Wilson was scary mad. Like, she's scary pretty, but she's also can be, like, scary, scary, just scary on the court. I don't want to play Asia Wilson. She's incredible. So, I mean, 2020 MVP. She's back, and she's back with a vengeance, and they get this little repeat game here. So, if you're going to pick a 7 p.m. game to watch, this is the one, I think. Uh, so, lots of changes in the offseason for 
all of the teams, of course, but specifically here, the Mercury hired former Aces assistant Vanessa Nygaard as head coach because Sandy Brondello, their former coach, left to take on the New York Liberty. Really excited to see what she does there uh, because you guys know I like the New York Liberty. Fun young team. Oh, love it all. Benijah Laney. Come on. Absolutely. Uh, the Phoenix uh, Mercury also added Tina Charles. Huge fan. I instantly became fans of Tina Charles and Sylvia Fowles last season. They were so dominant. Tina Charles was the 2021 scoring champion, by the way. Uh, and Diamond to Shields also added to the Mercury, who won a WNBA championship with the Chicago Sky last season. So great add there. But on the other side, Vegas has become, last season, the first team in WNBA history to have seven players average double figures in scoring. That is tough to compete against. And that is also why I loved betting overs in Aces games. Six of those seven players are returning, including 2020 MVP Asia Wilson. Got Derek Ahambi, Chelsea Gray, Kelsey Plum. This team has it all. They can score from everywhere on the floor, and their defense is sick. But I'm leaving out the main point, or one of the main points. They added the legend, Becky Hammond, as head coach. Can't wait to see what she does with this squad. They are going to be, I think they're going to be lethal. I really do. I could see this game going over, but I hate betting overs. So I will not be making that bet, but feel free. I lean over here. I am taking aces minus three and a half. So to recap... We're going to go Sparks plus four versus this guy who's missing Allie Quigley and Kalea Copper. And I'm going to go lay the points with the Storm like such a noob. But I'm going to do it. Storm minus six and a half. And I'm also going to go under in the Storm Lynx game, 165 and a half. And Aces minus three and a half versus the Mercury. Sorry, Mercury. Just you guys show up sometimes and not other times. It's just when you feel like it. Um, it's hard to bet against Diana Taurasi, and here we are, and Skylar Diggins-Smith for that matter, and now Tina Charles. Oh my goodness, what am I doing? Aces minus three and a half. We're going to lock it in, and maybe we'll get a live bet on the, the baby fever. I like him. I'm rooting for him. Uh, coming up, we have some hockey to talk about with Andy McNeil, Oilers and Kings, Game 3 on Friday. This is the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Welcome back into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook here now with our resident VEASAN hockey analyst slash expert. I know you hate all the titles, but it's true, with, especially with all the work you're doing now. Andy McNeil, you can find him on Twitter at Digital Gamber. Andy, uh, I'm going to have to defer to you when it comes to Kings playoffs because I tried to get too spicy in game two. And I not only went Kings money line, but thought I'm going to parlay this and go under six and a half. That's not how things went. For me, obviously. So I thought when the first two goals were scored in game two by the Oilers, I'm still alive. The Kings can come back and win three to two. And I really bet this because I thought the Kings are underrated. I know we talked about this. They don't have the talent that the Oilers have. We saw in game one, the Kings are able to defeat them still. But I thought if anything, the Kings have going for them. It's their defense, right? Uh, and that was just not the case. So you have to tell me what to expect in game three here and why game two looked like that. Well, game number one uh, was uh, a dominant performance by the LA Kings. If you look at the shot totals of the entire game, things don't look really uh, like like much of a mismatch. But at even strength, when the teams are playing five-on-five five or four-on-four, four, the Kings dominated. They owned almost 60% of the shot attempts in game number one. And obviously, they took the win uh, in Edmonton. But it was a different story. In fact, it was the exact opposite and then some uh, as the, the Oilers came back in game number two uh, and, and they dominated. They owned, uh, or the, the Kings only owned uh, about 
36% of the shot attempts in game number two. So it was definitely, so game number one was definitely a, a wake-up call, it seems, for the Oilers. And uh, I think, you know, if we're, we're talking about what we should expect to see going forward in this series, I think, you know, you're, you're kind of looking at something in the middle. Um, I would expect a, a better effort from L.A. They are a well-structured team. Uh, they do typically outshoot and outchance their opponents, but they're the lowest scoring team uh, in the NHL playoffs, at least based on their their regular season. Um, and if they try to go toe for toe to toe with the Oilers and trade shot for shot, uh, you know, basically playing the percentages, it's probably not going to work out well in their favor. They've got to outplay the Oilers, uh, which obviously is easier said than done. They were able to do it in Game One, not in Game Two, so. Um, if that theme continues and the Oilers kind of flip the switch here and, and continue to dominate the, the games uh, from a shot attempt perspective, then it's going to be really hard for L.A. because the fewer chances that the Kings have uh, to score, the fewer goals that they're going to be expected to score. I mean, it's it's just math. <laughs> and uh, and um, the Oilers have, a, have, you know, a higher degree of talent, especially in the top end of their lineup with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. So if you're going to... Um, you know, unless you're going to isolate those guys and uh, kind of take them out of the equation, which is obviously easier said than done, it's going to be really hard for uh, the Kings, who just are kind of inept on offense, and they showed that last night. Um, or sorry, on on um, on Wednesday, Wednesday. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's uh, it's it, it might be tough. So it, the series could go. Uh, you know, there, there's a range of possibilities here. So depending on what we see over the next couple of games, I guess that'll be pretty telling on, on which direction this series is going to go. But uh, the, the way the Oilers played in game number two is definitely uh, not, not encouraging for, uh, for, the, for the Kings' uh, long-term forecast here in these playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do we know who's going to be in goal for game three for the Kings? Because Jonathan Quick looked like he was in vintage great form. I think 36 saves in game one. Do we think we'll see him again? I think so. I, you know, that's a rough, that's a tough loss, and uh, there's no shame in, in, you know, the Oilers in allowing uh, that many goals to the the Edmonton mm-hmm. Oilers, given the the superstar talent that they had. But uh, Quicks had a, a good season. He he had a, it, I, I feel safe calling it a, a bounce back year for him. Um, Cal Peterson is the, I guess, the goaltender of the future uh, mm-hmm. in LA. But uh, for now, I think it's Jonathan Quicks net, and unless unless things go really south in game number three or if uh, or if quick is the direct cause of, of any goals against uh, then then they, they might make a switch but I think they're going to stick with Jonathan quick if I had to guess yeah well I'm looking at the odds here too and obviously the series goes back to LA now uh, before I even ask about the odds here because I'm seeing the Oilers at minus 143 money line on bet rivers they were minus 200 or so for the first two games so we're seeing a little bit of a slight shift here how much is home ice factor in for playoffs yeah, I mean, it, it factors in uh, pretty much the same as it would in the, the regular season. I think, you know, some teams, um, and I, I struggle with that. It's hard to, to kind of, you know, uh, make your way through all the noise of, of, you know, which teams have maybe a bigger home ice advantage than others. Um, but I, I think it's pretty static for the most part. And um, I've got the Kings around plus one. 35 as a as a fair price here you know going going into this series or i should say a few months back even two or three months ago um prior to learning that drew dowdy would not be in the lineup for for the the rest of the season um 
I was I was almost sure that I would be betting on the LA Kings uh, against the Oilers in this in a, in a series because even even three months ago it looked like they were on a collision course for the playoffs and um, you know they they struggled on offense down the stretch. Obviously, the loss of of Dowdy means a lot, and uh, and I didn't end up having any bets uh, really on on either either game. Um, I thought the line was fair. Uh, Edmonton, you know, at, at around, I shouldn't say that the Edmonton line was fair, but I think I made the Kings round minus 170, or sorry, plus 170, and that's roughly what they were being offered for. So I didn't, uh, I didn't feel it, it warranted a, a bet, but um, you, you could see some, you could see some bigger prices here down the stretch if, if, uh, if the, the series really turns in the Oilers' favor. Um, I don't know that I would, I definitely wouldn't recommend uh, taking plus 120. I'd, I'd probably, Wait closer to game time and see if uh, if the money comes in on the Edmonton Oilers and pushes those odds up a little higher. Yeah, puck line. I'm assuming not something you would look at for this matchup either. No, um, you know it's 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 tough. I, I think it's um, a lot of the time those things are correlated. They kind of move in lockstep uh, as far as the money line and the puck line. Um, mm-hmm. If you're going to bet the Kings, just just go for the win. It's the playoffs. They've got incentive to win the game. They're trying. They're they're, they're not trying to to win the game or, or to lose by by one goal, right? It's uh, or by six. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, you know, it's there's there's incentive, and I mean, even uh, on that same note, I think if you don't have a pregame bet on the LA Kings uh, or the Edmonton Oilers for that matter. There, there might be some in-game opportunities. Obviously, your, your odds of winning are not going to be uh, as as favorable if if your team, if the team that you're betting on is trailing. Um, but uh, like I said, they have incentive to win. They have incentive to play to the final horn. And uh, and I've already, you know, I've already been betting on on some of those uh, some of the teams that have been trailing by two and three goals at at, at big prices. And I've hit a cup or I've hit one now, and and that was enough to uh, to to make a profit. So. If you can be betting some in-game, uh, some teams in-game at around five to one or six to one, uh, you don't have to, to hit very many of those to to make a profit. <laughs> well, you know I love live betting, so I love to hear that. Of course, <laughs> before we let you go, Andy, what do you predict for this series now going into Game Three? Who's going to win and how many games? Um, I, I had the Oilers uh, winning in roughly somewhere between five and six games, I guess, mm-hmm. probabilistically. Uh, but um, yeah, I've got, I had the Edmonton Oilers at, uh, I think around minus 200 uh, heading into the series, which was, or no, it's sorry. It was a little bit higher than that. I think it was around minus 240. Um, and um, that was in line with what was being offered. Uh, the, when LA won the first game, I had it at about 50, 50. So now that we're back um, uh, and it's going to be a best of five, uh, those those Oilers odds should be a little shorter because luck can play a, a bigger a bigger role when the sample size is uh, is smaller. So um, you know I'm I'm going to guess I probably had the Oilers around minus 190 if I had to update mm. things right now. Oh wow, uh, total sitting at six and a half by the way, slightly juiced to the under on Bet Rivers at minus 124. I like the idea of an under. I think that's the only yeah. thing I would touch in this game. What do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you. Uh, as I mentioned, the Kings are uh, they struggle offensively. Um, they're going to have the ability to line match at home, so they can. Uh, when you're when you have the home ice advantage, you get the 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 home coach gets to choose which line uh, he sends out on the ice after the road team sends their players out on the ice. So maybe they right. can do a better job of 
containing Connor McDavid. Um, I'm not super hopeful of that, but uh, maybe maybe they can maybe they can do a better job at home than they did um, in games uh, in game two. Well, thank you so much for your expertise. I, I agree with you too here with the Kings. It seems like from what I can gather that they're a really well-ran team. They just don't have the depth and the talent. They dealt with injuries. So another yeah. LA team down to injuries, unfortunately. But at least this LA team made it to the playoffs. Hint, hint, Lakers. Uh, thank you to Andy McNeil. You can always find him on Twitter, at Digital Gambler. And then Andy, what other show are you working on as well right now? Where else can they see you? Yeah, I'm, I'm working with Sportsnet here in Toronto, Ontario, and um, it's the the national NHL broadcast in Canada here. So I'm on every pregame show. Myself and Cabby Richards, we're doing a, a short gambling segment. We do um, updated odds at the first intermission of the the, the first game. So that will be um, I forget which game it is. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's how much it, work he's doing. If if you, if you watch the Canadian broadcast, you might see. Uh, a uh, pasty, almost bald man wearing glasses talking about gambling. <laughs> the largest undersell of the day. So thank you so much to Andy McNeil, and thank you to you for listening to the Los Angeles CityCast. Remember, new shows three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That means I'll be back on Monday, and I mean, we'll have maybe more some Kings action. Uh, thanks for watching. We'll see you back here for the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook.